The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel are Jack Barazzini. Hey, Jack. Hey, Dom. And Thomas Sanherho. Hey, Thomas. Hey, Dom. How's it going? Very well, thanks. Folks, I want to tell you about another show on the StarQuest Network that you're sure to enjoy, and that is The Secrets of Star Trek. Now is a great time to start listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, because we're about to start discussing the second season of Star Trek Picard. That's dropping uh, as you listen to this, if you just listen to it, as it's coming out next week, uh, the first week of Lent. So hopefully not on Ash Wednesday, because I don't want to watch shows on Ash Wednesday. But Star Trek Picard's coming. Star Trek Strange New Worlds is coming after that. There's a whole lot of great Star Trek that's available. So you want to hop on board with the secrets of Star Trek at sqpn.com slash trek. But we are talking today about technology. And our first headline, our first story today we want to talk about is this uh, case of the, the Ethereum name service. And we'll get into what that is in a second. Uh, removed a core team member named Brantley Milligan over a tweet he made in 2016. We've heard stories like this many times in the past few years about people being removed for old tweets from various things. Uh, But Brantley's tweet was notable in that uh, he was basically upholding Orthodox Christian belief in various areas uh, related to uh, abortion, contraception, homosexuality, etc. And that was deemed to be beyond the pale and he was uh, voted out this is a a uh, it wasn't it's not a job this is an organization a community and they voted to remove him from that as well as he was removed from another organization that was related to related to that and uh, so let's start by what is the ethereum name service ethereum is a cryptocurrency so i'm guessing it's related to that but do you guys know what uh, ethereum name service is yeah it's it's a it's one of the connectors that basically attaches your domain to your wallet. So to to be able to trade with cryptocurrency, you need some way to connect an identifier of yourself online to a wallet so that, you know, it's anonymized, but at some point that money can't just be some bits <laughs> money. It has to be a person's money. And so that the the name service is the connector between those two things. And so they they do a lot of there's a lot of really great behind the scenes uh as they call it W3, like the the next iteration of the web uh stuff going on that keeps everything uh cryptographically sane and safe and separates any kind of naming scheme from the person but actually allows the person to log into their uh wallet and get the money out. It sounds a lot like domain name service, DNS, which mm-hmm. uh, which is a way of saying so that we can go to websites by typing in www. and then .com instead of a long string of numbers. And this is a similar thing where we can put in someone's domain, Ethereum domain, .ens, instead of typing in a very long error-prone <laughs> wallet number. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, <laughs> so, yeah. So... 
and then there was also this other organization called the True Names Lim- True Names Limited, which is a, I guess is the organization that actually issues the domains, the Ethereum names, right? That's what I gathered. Yeah, yeah. I, it's, I was kind of uh, unclear on how all these things work. I, I try to I try to understand NFTs and crypto and blockchain, and uh, it's still a concept that I'm still trying to <laughs> get my head around. I, ju- I, I just want to sidebar on this note because this this every time I hear about crypto, I am always going to go back to the Super Bowl ad that uh, yeah. that Coinbase played because <laughs> the the cross section of demographic that they're looking for is the one that sees a technicolor monstrosity of a QR code bouncing around on a screen and actually pulls out their phone to scan it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that should tell you everything you need to know about crypto right there. <laughs> <laughs> right. I actually have that on the list to talk about because uh, Joanne wanted to talk about that. So I've got to bring that up next week. But uh, yes, that's a <laughs> that's a whole conversation about uh, about getting people to uh, scan a QR code on their screen. Uh, yeah, don't do that, folks. So, uh, so what do you think of this, uh, this situation? Uh, Brantley Milligan is, uh, I think we've, we've all kind of said something like, he sounds like, he sounds like someone we should know because, um, he's a co-founder of something called Catholic Blockchain, which was the topic of our very first episode, or at least one of our first episodes of, uh, Secrets Attack, um, and, the, among the team there, in addition to Brantley, is Devin Rose, who has been a friend of StarQuest, has been on some of our shows at times. Uh, Luke Burgess, who I, I, I uh, connected with uh, in various ways offline, uh, partnership with uh, the Bush School at the Catholic University of America, where I know several people there. So I, I don't know Brantley, but I know a lot of people around him. And... Uh, I'm, and I've been a fan of this idea of the Catholic blockchain and trying to get the church to use this ledger system for helping get information distributed and verified and that sort of stuff. So, so, so Brantley's out there and he's got this tweet from years ago and to his credit, he does not apologize for it. He's not retracted it. He said, this is what I believe. These are, this is a traditional Christian uh, belief shared in many cases by a lot of Muslims, a lot of Jews, and we shouldn't be excluded from being participants in these organizations because we hold these beliefs. So what do you guys think of this situation? I mean, it, does it make you worry about being Christian in public and, and being able to participate in society and especially in tech related ventures like this? I mean, somewhat. I also think that it's just the current temperature of everything right now where people are very quick to jump on one little thing someone said years ago and extrapolate everything from it based simply on that. and. It's a it's a completely separate issue. Like if if he was like treating people like in a professional setting differently based upon his beliefs, that is an issue. But that's not that doesn't sound like that's what's going on. It sounds like it's purely just based on his beliefs and what he said. Right. And, we, we you know, we've seen a lot of this where people who it's n- not based on their behavior, but on something they said or something they believe that makes them unacceptable. There was the. um Peter Thiel from PayPal, who supported the uh, m- the marriage protection amendments in Utah, I think it was, or was it California, mm-hmm. uh, against same sex marriage. There is um, oh, the guy from Mozilla. You know, there's several of these these high profile people out there who have been canceled, quote unquote. I, I do air quotes there, but who were tempted to cancel because they've 
have beliefs that are some people oppose. It makes well, me... and, but it's 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 a set of beliefs because right. we need to be we need to be very specific about this, right? It's a okay. it's a very specific subset of beliefs that is being canceled, right? Mm-hmm. It's not uh, it's not like you see this happen for other things. It is a conservative uh, bent, uh, right. Very very much in that traditional pro family vein that is suffering from this, not the myriad other things that are out there. Uh, happening you really don't see this happen uh i mean there were there were some attempts to have this happen around the blm stuff and none of them really ended up sticking yeah uh, especially not in this way uh where this is almost like a a, a stigma that now this person is going to be carrying around for a while Mm -hmm. there i've heard anecdotally from people who work in tech who they keep their heads down they they don't say anything about Mm -hmm. their beliefs they don't which you know is fine. You don't really actually need to bring up your beliefs in the workplace, but they don't push it, put anything online. They don't talk about their faith on social media. They don't they don't express their their beliefs anywhere in public because they don't want to lose their jobs or you know face persecution for it. And it's hard to blame them. I mean, you, you you're trying to provide for your family and you're trying to work. And I think there's there's two things you can take away from this that are that are really useful uh useful things to to think about when you're posting online first off uh twitter's probably not the place to post your beliefs just Mm -hmm. period the end yeah i i I really think that you know 140 characters trying to sum up what you believe is not only impossible but it's going to lead to misunderstandings and second uh reading this tweet it doesn't sum our faith and and right. this is where this is where I really want to push back on the well. This is a it's he's been being chastised for conservative viewpoints. the The issue here is that it's a very negative view that he's placing out there. So he's it's it's an incendiary and negative thing that he's stated. Is it largely right according to our belief system? Yes, but there's so much so much there that we need to have a bigger discussion about than just this is evil this is murder this is this right. is wrong right there's and no that's where nuance. it gets bad yeah yeah the nuance is missing and and i think to my advice for that is instead of posting those beliefs think for a second is what i'm posting positive is it a positive and affirming thing that i'm posting and if you stick to that positive affirmation then it, it, you're what are they what, what are people going to come back and say you affirmed somebody too hard it's like <laughs> we're, you know we're going to cancel you for the so if you're worried about this kind of thing but you still want to stay engaged with your faith on in an online forum think about the message the, the tone of the message that you're sending out and think about being positive and there are ways to say these same things right but in a positive way and that's what we want to do is and and if you if you think about the messaging that goes around like just the pro choice pro abortion movement you know the that those statements a lot what a lot of people will say is that the the rhetoric has moved to saying to calling pro lifers anti abortion and and that's exactly that that kind of thing right where it's you you've moved from the positive pro life to the negative anti abortion mm-hmm. and right. if you let that happen that's when you start getting into those areas where things just get challenging and difficult. I think that this goes for most social media, but especially Twitter. 
it has it has taken like both sides of any argument and reduced it just to the equivalent of standing on the side of the road with a cardboard sign saying like the most incendiary, most like black and white version of whatever belief you have like on either side and it doesn't leave any sort of room for there's no there's no room for conversation there i feel like and that's not to say like anyone should get fired over what they say online unless it's like like there are obviously there are things like where if you're like attacking people or whatever but like no one i don't think anyone needs to get fired from their job because of something they said on their personal internet right. accounts yeah it, you wonder why westboro baptist church has kind of disappeared the past few years is because twitter has outdone them like <laughs> twitter, yeah, twitter exactly. is more outrageous mm-hmm. than the average day on twitter i mean not everyone on twitter but like this sort of this sort of thing that he puts here is not uh, you know it's the sort of thing you do when you're young perhaps or you're mm-hmm. not as wise i wrote things online years ago that i could probably be canceled for i suppose um but i look at this and i say this isn't converting anyone. This isn't going right. changing a heart. Mm-hmm. This is this is in your face, uh, you know, sta- you know, provocative. It being yeah. and not provocative in a good way of provoking a conversation. It's provocative in provoking anger. I mean, that mm-hmm. sort of thing is that's that's what it looks like to me. Or to to build myself up at someone else's expense. So yeah, I mean, is it ill advised? Sure, and I would not advise people to to do to be this way on social media. I. Like, I just I'm so tired of the wars of the social media wars and the mm-hmm. uh, I I want I'll talk to people about Wordle and you know and <laughs> with the latest, you know, Star Trek or I mean, I'll even talk about world events, but I will I only want to do it in ways that are not about attacking each other. Like, it's mm-hmm. atta- let's attack a problem. Let's attack, you know, that sort of thing. But it's the attacks, uh, the personal attacks, the and and I'm just tired of the of the idea that because you have a personal point, this particular point of view, you've caused me an injury. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but, you know, no one's point of view is causing me injury. It's simply their point of view. Well, and I think that's that's where the real problem comes in here, because uh, this tweets from 2016 and he was he became part of this board in 2019. So mm-hmm. if it's relevant and you're going to vet people based on their previous post history, you kind of need to do that before you allow them to become a member of your organization. Right. So, you know, what happened here was clearly that someone had an axe to grind, found a post, and then reported it to every possible organization that he belongs to that would listen to them. Mm-hmm. And and then the organization now knowing about this is in some kind of legal conundrum where they have to do something about it and that's just not good for anybody you know that doesn't benefit anyone for that to be the situation he's apparently also had his twitter account suspended for this uh um although it may be back in in, in, uh it may be back by this point it looks like yeah but um yeah the and the the vote wasn't unanimous the vote to remove him and and not everyone who voted against removing him have the same beliefs or 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 some of them even find his beliefs to be offensive but they have taken the same point of view which is that's not you know whatever his his personal viewpoint it has nothing to do with being part of the ethereum name service you know it's mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's it's irrelevant to his his work and mm-hmm. uh and i would agree with that it it makes me it makes me wonder i i've known people who like worked at 
Apple corporate who eventually felt like they had to leave because it was just um, an environment that challenged him not just to be tolerant of other people, but to vocally uh, voice support for things that as a as a Catholic who believes his faith, you know, what his faith teaches, he couldn't in good conscience do and ended up, you know, leaving that position. I mean, it's it, it's a it's a tricky thing being a Christian, especially these days. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a kind of uh, kind of persecution. It's not the same thing as being, you know, uh, sent out in the, to the lions, but it's a, it's a kind of uh, bloodless persecution in, in, that we have to be prepared for, you know, and uh, but don't. Uh, I think the lesson, which is what you said, Thomas, which is, but don't do it. Don't uh, invite it by doing something that's not a smart thing to do. So, right. Yeah. Excellent. So um, if, if you want to uh, learn more about what happened here and about Catholic blockchain, uh, we'll have links in our show notes and you can check it out. All right, let's uh, move on and uh, first thank our patrons. I want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of technology, including Kathleen G, Lauren N, Dave, Christopher K, and Patrick M. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of technology and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. All right, so our next headline is uh, from our uh, recurring segment, Billionaires in Space, <laughs> uh, which I have no problem with, because if if you're going to have private space flight, it's going to have to be people with money doing it. Uh, but in this case, it is uh, our friend Jared Isaacman returning to space. Uh, you may remember uh, uh, Isaacman as the guy who was behind the inspiration for SpaceX launch last September uh, that was uh, a subject of a Netflix documentary and uh, got a lot of attention and he took the civilians up and it was a big splash. And uh, so uh, literally, in fact, when they came back. And so uh, he is apparently buying as many as three more flights from SpaceX, including possibly the first crewed space flight of this Starship rocket, which is the next gen very big rocket that uh, they're building. Uh, so what do you guys think of this? I think it's cool. Um, I do kind of hope that we don't end up with this kind of, basically you just get like a group of like 20 people who can afford to do this, just taking up all the flights and it doesn't really end up advancing science at all. Yeah. I yeah. think there's a danger of that, but yeah. yeah. Or maybe right, yeah. right. I want it to be cheaper. And if they keep paying exorbitant amounts for it, it kind of feels like that's what um, uh, Blue is that Blue Origin and Bezos's mm -hmm. company, mm -hmm. you know, is doing is like they're taking up celebrities and rich guys, and it's just this, and they're going up and they're coming down, and it's just kind of stunts, like publicity stunts. Uh, yeah. But there's no clear idea of, but what's the point? And that's what the, my big question with this is: uh, like, it, he's calling this. Uh, Polaris Dawn, the Polaris missions, um, and he and and Isaacman, you know, says that we're doing something. But I'm like, what do they do? What is what is the value of of right. these flights? What do they they claim to like be doing? You know, human um, space research, but they they've been doing that on for for 50 years. You know, the, the humans in space and the ISS and all that sort of stuff. So, what's really the value here? 
I think he's just fulfilling his fantasy of being an astronaut, <laughs> to be honest. I think and that's what a lot of this is. But again, I think SpaceX has done more than both Virgin Galactic and Blue Origin to actually lay out a game plan of this is what we're actually going to do. Like Blue Origin just seems like Jeff Bezos's vanity project. Yeah. But yeah. Blue Origin's totally a vanity. But Virgin is actually doing a pretty good job. I've I've oh, been yeah. impressed with Virgin. They they're saying that uh they're doing science while they're up there. It's limited, right? Mm-hmm. But because it's a very short flight. But they're doing science. They so they have a they have experiments that are going on. You know, the first one was we're testing the cabin, right? Right. But, they they are taking things up there with them yeah. that they're an, a, analyzing. So that's I, I'll give them a pass because it's it feels okay. That's <laughs> like yeah. a sniff test for me. I don't know. For I'm not sure what the difference is, but it just it just having done having been into this long enough, the Virgin Galactic stuff passed the sniff test. The SpaceX stuff is real science. Like they're doing yeah. good stuff. But then it's bizarre because this doesn't feel like real science. This feels like a, a billionaire buying his way back up into space. And, you know, I'll be honest, like I turned down my uh, reservation opportunity with Virgin Galactic. You know, I got in on the when they had the first group go up, I signed up for the the reservation opportunity and I, I returned as one of the people that has a reservation opportunity. But you still have to pay for it. <laughs> and, yeah. um, uh you know, I'm doing I'm doing better now, but, uh, you know, ten thousand dollars down with a basically about five hundred thousand dollar flight that I have to pay for <laughs> in the end of all things. Um, and I don't I don't have a way to raise funding. See, and that's the thing is, I think that if if I had a way to say, OK, I'm going to be doing these experiments. Can you guys give me some funding? We'll get five hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars together and then take the experiment out. Then, yeah, I would I would go for it. But I just don't have that ability. Right. You don't think we can. uh do like a, a Patreon uh, campaign, uh, send a SQPN <laughs> member into space. Dude, I'm in. Let's, let's go. <laughs> we'll, we'll go fund me your way to space. Yeah, you go. <laughs> well, I mean, so one of the things that Isaacman says is like on the, the Polaris Dawn mission. So that's the next one that may be as early as the end of 2022. We'll be up to five days in orbit. They're going to do the first private company spacewalk in SpaceX spacesuits, which they haven't, SpaceX hasn't done uh, EVA yet? I don't think. Mm-mm. No. Um, they're going to test the the SpaceX Starlink satellite communications in space because so far that's all been just you know Earth to ground Earth or ground to orbit uh, communications. Um, and then the aforementioned scientific research on human health, which uh, is you know, have you lost weight while you're up here? That sort of thing. Um, but they're also building a SpaceX astronaut core because the other three people are. Uh, two of them are people I recognize from the uh, Netflix documentary. Scott Poteet as the he's the chief pilot at SpaceX, and uh, Sarah Gillis was the primary uh, liaison at SpaceX with the inspiration for Crew, is from what I, from what I understand. Mm-hmm. So, and then this other uh, woman, uh, Anna Menon. Uh, so they're all going up to the they're all spacex employees i think potit is an employee the article doesn't say is but the other two are definitely spacex employees and they're all going up in the in in this one so it maybe it's a way for for spacex to uh fund the building of their astronaut core by getting yeah. a billionaire to who wants to go back into space several times to pay for it right i think that's basically what it is is they get to be a glorified passenger who just gets to say they've been to space and hang out and then the real work is going to be done by 
the other members of the crew. And that's not to cast aspersions on someone who can afford to go into space. Like if I could, I totally would do that more than <laughs> yeah, once. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, think that's, that this that's... is a way of getting the funding. Yeah. That's how exploration was done back in the age of sail, right? You would go and petition for the king and queen to support your mission, and then you end up being Columbus, right? <laughs> right, or or you'd be the rich guy who funded his own ship, you know, and you, you mm-hmm. it was you paid for the ship, and you were the you were the uh, the fa- the were the factor, the, you know, you were the, you were basically the supercargo. Is what I'm trying to think of. Uh, yeah, and you know, it wasn't your ship; you weren't the captain, but you you paid for it, and you got to go, and that's often how it was. So apparently SpaceX already has booked a private Starship flight to the moon for a Japanese billionaire. So that's interesting. He's the guy who's going to take, well, at least when he first announced it, he said he wants to take a bunch of artists with him. Right, mm-hmm. right, right, right. Um, which I think would be an interesting, uh, interesting idea. We'll yeah. see when it happens. Poem. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the first line would be, ah! No, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> um, Followed by many, many, I'm bored. I am yeah, so bored. Yeah. This is the most boring thing I have ever done. <laughs> I am floating. Oh, man. So, um, yeah. So this, I mean, it's, 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 it sounds like we're kind of down on it, but it's cool. I mean, it's just, yeah. We yeah. are in the era where we have private space flight and, it's we it's really important i think not to get blasé about it because this mm-hmm. is a big deal this is no longer just the government shooting up expensive one time rockets we are in the era where people take spaceships into orbit and can bring them back down and they're privately owned and it's it's really cool and uh, i'm i'm glad it's happening and it just needs to get beyond the billionaires and needs to mm-hmm. start <laughs> becoming more of a practical thing that people can do even companies to to do like you know just I I need to get my cargo into space to build a thing and for the next Apple Gizmo that's going to be needs to be manufactured in uh, microgravity or whatever you know what I mean like it, yeah. I want to get to that point where it's that that common that easy. All right, so let's move on to our next headline, and uh, this one is says the 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 Fed the Federal Reserve is we, the, those in the know call it the Fed. Uh, it's CNBC headline. The Fed releases a long-awaited study on a digital dollar, but doesn't take a position yet on creating one. And so, the Federal Reserve was has a lot of people have been saying the U.S. needs to create a a, a digital dollar, U.S. crypto central bank uh, digital currency. So you get so you get digital currencies like Bitcoin and Ethereum, and these are these are the kind of the wild west of. Uh, cryptocurrency they you mine it using you know graphics cards that whole thing we we know talk about is extremely volatile but then there are other kinds of digital currencies cryptocurrencies that are more stable they sometimes are called stable coins uh that are tied to some of them are tied to um what is the word for uh a fiat currency so mm-hmm. like the US dollar or the Chinese yuan or that sort of thing and so some people say we need to have a digital dollar, a, a, a digital version of the U.S. currency. Uh, and some people, I, I would think that there are some in our audience who are wondering, what's the difference? What, why, what's the difference between a digital dollar that they're talking about and what we have now with online banking? It's, do you guys have a, a decent answer for that? My understanding of this, and I think you know more about this, Thomas, so correct me if I'm wrong, is that currently you have to go through a third party like a big bank to actually conduct transactions or you have to use something like a like venmo or something like that and Mm -hmm. a digital dollar would be 
tied to like a blockchain kind of technology so you could do direct transfers without having to go through an intermediary is that is that correct yeah that's that's actually a really good analogy if you if you think about physical money we do this uh with banks anyway right you don't go to the government and get a dollar bill you the dollar bills are distributed to the banks and then the banks distribute the dollar bills out to uh individuals and those banks are privately owned so there's there's there is a shift uh there so the banks are kind of like the the funnel by which Mm -hmm. we receive the fiat currency of the united states and this is a big change like this is a really uh it's a huge deal if they decide to go this way because it does cut the banks out of that middle slot and no longer do you have to go to a bank to get a currency uh you can acquire the currency directly and there's a lot of there's a lot of questions to answer there and so i'm glad they didn't say yeah let's go ahead and do it because there's right a lot to it that needs to be uh really poked at and prodded by people that are looking at this and wondering okay well if i am getting my currency directly from the government and there is no bank between us how is that determined like how do i get that Mm -hmm. what kind of information does the government need to have about me and then what kind of information does the government have about me when when i start using that money where now i can separate those two things and how do we secure it and make it Mm non-hackable and i mean the the u.s dollar is the world's they call it the reserve currency it is the it is the the money that the world's economy basically rests on if if something happens to the u.s dollar the 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 world economy collapses essentially Mm -hmm. It, it, it would come to grind to a halt so they have to be extremely careful, extremely deliberate in doing this. And I, I applaud that. China is is rolling ahead. They're, they they want to take the lead and have they've already got a digital yuan out there. And there are some people saying, oh, China is going to take take over this whole space. I'm like, you know, let China lead on this because they, they could be could, could end up bad. Well, you and you look at the you look at the other things that are happening happening concurrently in China, where there is this uh, almost Facebook like uh, social uh, standing that you have mm-hmm. in China, and that is concurrent to this uh, you know digital currency rising, and it's not a mistake. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> those yeah, two things are happening all, at the same time. It's all linked together. Like I know. In China, you have. I was reading an article where you have to like scan your face to even pump gas for your car, and if you are not approved, like if your your standing drops below where it needs to be on your social credit score, you will not be able to like pump gas or things like that. And that's that's the big big worry for me about having this kind of it's not centralized, but this level of control that the government would have over that. And I also have. You know, having worked in government contracting and having to deal with multiple government systems and government websites and things like that, I I, I worry about the, the technical aspects of it, too. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> you think 100%. about it. I can give you $100 in cash. Just hand it to you. And nobody knows. Like, the mm-hmm. government doesn't know. My bank doesn't know. It You know, it, it says right on it. This is, you know, uh, transferable. is suitable for all debts to be paid. I mean, it is just cash. And if I, I can hand you cash... If I have to go through a system that the government can monitor, then the government monitors all financial transactions. 
Mm-hmm. Potentially. Now, that's the that's the the worry is that you know, it doesn't have to. The system doesn't have to be set up that way where the government can monitor all financial transactions. There can be anonymity in a uh, in a digital dollar system, but they would have you would have to positively set it up in such a way that it's that that anonymity is there. Uh, it doesn't have to be in, built into the system in China. It is not anonymous. And so there is no more in China people paying for things that the government doesn't know about. You know, mm-hmm. transferring money that the government doesn't know about. And that's a bad, bad thing when you have an authoritarian government. So, yeah, I I am all for taking it slow. Uh, I, I think, you know, in the long run, this is probably a version of this is where we're going to. Mm-hmm. I think there'll always be a way to have person to person transactions that don't involve a third party. I would hope, you know, gov- whether it's banks or the government, you know, that sort of thing, like just handing cash over. I have a chicken. Do you need uh Yeah. You need me to... <laughs> well well that's the thing is the human ingenuity will always find a way to right. yeah, to find a way to, to do it. Yes. Um I mean and that it also doesn't preclude uh other cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and Ethereum, which are anonymized and generally, although there's some question of whether Bitcoin the government there was a whole big um mm-hmm. Bitcoin uh fraud thing that the government managed to break through the uh, an anonymity to cap- capture the people responsible and that we may talk about that in a future episode but uh so yeah that's uh it's something to keep an eye on this is not something that's going to happen tomorrow but uh we'll we'll keep looking at it as more news comes out and uh but as uh listeners to the secrets of tech i think i thought there was something you probably would be good to know to hear about all right and uh then let's get to one of my favorite uh segments of the show which is big tech behaving badly <laughs> <laughs> no, this is a so this is a, a lawsuit against Google by several states in the District of Columbia uh, suing Google, saying that they deceived users by collecting their location data even when they believe that kind of tracking was disabled. So, uh, you the, essentially what they're saying is is the Google apps, iOS and Android, so it's not just Android. You would go in and you would say, "Don't record my location data." You would hit the little button and turn off location tracking. And it would continue to track your location anyway. And they have uh, uh, basically dug into the apps and found the data that that, that was being recorded there and, and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, there was no response from Google in, in the article, the TechCrunch article that I'm looking at, uh, which is kind of interesting so far. I mean, I, I suppose with a the lawsuit, they're not going to say anything until they get to court. Yeah. Um, but if Google's doing it, you can be rest assured that Facebook is probably doing it too, and other bad actors as well. I just want to point out in the in the brief, uh, dark patterns shows up quite a bit. <laughs> yes, nice. yes, we've talked yeah. about dark patterns, and it, yeah. that's one of the ways that they they got. Uh, it says that they 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 tricked consumers was they used uh, some dark patterns to uh, to trick them. Yeah, I mean, it's this doesn't surprise me in the slightest. And yeah. even if you look at the way like they have their menu options set up, like you got to expand a lot of things to see exactly what they're tracking mm-hmm. on you. They make the like opt out is always like buried at the bottom of the page, all those different things. Like I think most of the time it's not even people turning it off. It's just not realizing how to turn it off and not thinking mm-hmm. about it. And they it's set up that way on purpose. Or sometimes the option is worded ambiguously. So you're not sure whether clicking the button turns it off or on. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you just, I don't know. Well, I think part of what they're going at here, too, is that the there there's a difference between a central on off button for your location history 
and an app based on off button for your location history. And the it's interesting because they're they're really splitting the difference here on Google says that you've turned your location off, but Google's apps are using your location. Mm-hmm. And right. And, and that's 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 an important distinction. I think that if if there is a central setting that says I want my location history off, then definitely all of the apps that belong to the company that I just clicked that button with should be turned off. Mm-hmm. And they're not. And and like you said, Jack, they're they're opt outs or they're you know buried somewhere in the the agreements. And you you give uh, an app access to your location once, and it just takes that access and runs with it uh, forever. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> some of this may also just be that there's a there's a there's a imbalance or there's a, sort of a conflict between the aim, which is to provide privacy. But and then on the other hand, just how apps work, like apps work, you know, like that, like Google Maps requires location data in order to provide you with a location on its map. Now. If I say I don't want my history recorded, what I mean is provide me with the data, but don't store this in the cloud and keep it as a record. You know, don't Mm -hmm. don't upload it to your servers and and keep this record identifiable with a number that connects directly to me and my phone is. And I'm, I'm not sure if this is what they're complaining about, because like as the AP quote says, even with location history paused. Some Google apps automatically store time-stamped location data without asking. And I would expect maps to record time-stamped location data without asking while I'm using it. Just mm-hmm. don't store it in the cloud attached to my identity. Mm-hmm. I think it's just a matter of people need to be educated more on what we're being, what data is being tracked when you're using certain apps. And sometimes it's just out of necessity. If you're going to use that kind of app, it's going to record this data. Like I cannot see a scenario where someone would want to use Google maps. And then every time you open it up, it's a complete blank slate and you can't look through like, where did I go? Like last week? Like, right. Mm -hmm. So I think that, I mean, you could set it up that way, but I don't think it's going to be very useful for people. And I think it, it just needs to be more, the companies need to be more upfront about what they're collecting, where they're collecting it and how they're using it. Yeah. What people want is they, they don't want you them, the companies to be giving the information about me to other people in mm. order to track me from a third party or even from Google. I don't want Google to be tracking me for its business purposes. I don't want third parties to be benefiting from my location data, for instance. You know, I want my location data to be in there for my benefit. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really what it comes down to. Yeah, it's 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 simply stop using my personal information for your corporate commercial benefit. I guess the other side of this, though, is all these Google services are free and this is how Google pays for it. So at a certain <laughs> point, it's like, would you would people be OK with paying like five ninety nine a month for access to Google Maps? But it's anonymized like and you don't get your you don't get the ad data shared out like it's. It'd be interesting to see the ways to deal with that where you're not being used as a as the product. Not on the Android environment, no. <laughs> There's just no way it's not going to happen. Maybe yeah. on iOS. But. I mean, I I pay Google money every month to store my uh, photos in Google Photos and to mm-hmm. to keep a, a larger archive of my email. I mean, that's just 
I, I am paying them, you know, and I'm paying yeah. Apple and uh, I, I'm not paying Facebook and they will pry my money out of my cold dead hands before they <laughs> before I pay Facebook anything for their service. But um, but I mean, many people already are paying. And so, mm. yeah, we, but we have gotten kind of used to as consumers used to this idea of paying nothing and then being surprised when we find out we are the product and mm-hmm. we, we've got to stop being surprised by that. All right. So uh, let's move on to uh, those are our headlines. So let's move on to our picks of the week. Uh, Thomas, why don't we start with you? What is your pick this week? All right. So my pick this week is um, a bizarre, fun resource. I, I've, I've used it before and I just I want to tell the story of how I got there before I give what the resource is. So I was on YouTube and the YouTube algorithm knows me so well. And it <laughs> uh, it popped up a video for me and I was like, yeah, I'll click on that. That sounds cool. And it was about what really happened at Chernobyl. And so mm. I, I click on the video and I'm like, OK, this is neat. And, it, and it's a classroom setting. And I, I come to find out that it's an MIT class uh, about nuclear engineering. And this is one of the classes in the course where the professor is explaining what actually happened at Chernobyl. And so I was like, OK. And it was a really interesting discussion of like the nuclear engineering behind what happened at Chernobyl and why everything. So I definitely recommend finding it. It was it was really cool. But then I was like, wait a minute, this is part of a course. I'm going to go. I know MIT has some free courses out there. Let me see if this is part of one of those courses. And sure enough, there is an entire nuclear engineering course on uh, MIT for free uh, that you can go and audit and and take. And it provides a lot of the resources from uh, like a a lot of the resources that that they can. You know, there's some things that are proprietary that they can't just provide for free. But uh, for the most part, the stuff that's attached to the course, you can go and attend all of the lectures. You can read a lot of the different. uh, the different excerpts uh, and articles. The one thing you can't do is actually go to go and manipulate the nuclear reactor, which is what apparently all these students got to do, which is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, um, but the course is amazing. And and I will say about this particular course, this is not the only course. There are a, a lot of courses available and you can search for the ones that just have video lectures. If you, if you're really interested like me in playing the videos in the background while you're doing something else. But I I hated math when I was in high school. I hated it. I just could not stand it. And I became a programmer afterwards. And now I understand math a lot better because of my programming. This professor in two classes explained uh, the the entire concept of derivative mathematics so simply and so directly by using it in an actual setting that now I understand derivative mathematics. And I, I took it when I was in high school and it could not wrap my mind around it at all and in two lectures this guy got it for me so wow, it just goes nice. to show that you can find some amazing stuff so this is the mit courseware site and just to be clear they they have hundreds of mit courses regular graduate and undergraduate courses available for the public to peruse and like you said watch all the classes you, like you basically audit the course without taking the tests and submitting papers and getting, you know, feedback and that sort of thing and being able to ask questions. But, uh, wow. I mean, this is, this is a free education. I mean, you can, you can imagine, yeah. What was the, uh, goodwill hunting? If will, will had access oh, yeah, to this. Right. <laughs> exactly. No, that, and that's, that's the kind of thing that it's just like, where would I have ever learned about nuclear engineering at all? 
and there's yeah. an entire course available for Was it. Was this the introduction to nuclear engineering and ionizing radiation course? That's the one. Yeah, that's nice. Cool. That's awesome. But it's also not just science. I mean, you think MIT is science and engineering, uh, fine arts, humanities, art history, uh, linguistics. There's even religion, uh, which uh, is kind of sparse, but you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as, as you'd expect. Well, and some of, some of it you're you're limited to uh, a little bit of it is what they did p- as part of this open courseware. Uh, program right. and and uploaded and so some of them are kind of old too so you just yeah. have to dig through a little bit to figure it out but it's ocw.mit.edu for the website it's pretty cool and it's all free it's awesome it's all awesome free. so jack what is your pick this week all right my pick of the week is something that uh helped me solve my completely first world problem of having <laughs> to plug in my airpods my iphone and my apple watch all at the same time <laughs> it's the uh anchor uh 533 magnetic wireless charger it's this three-in-one stand that has a magsafe charger for your phone like a little indented kind of dimple spot where you put your uh, airpods and then a little phone like a little uh flip-up stand for your watch and you put them all on there it comes with uh like a 20 or 30 watt uh, wall charger it's USB-C, so you plug in that one charger in this device and it charges all three of them wirelessly and it it's really nice if you have multiple devices to charge because it cleans up your space and you just put them all on there and let them charge um yeah. i think it's like 60 dollars, but it's uh it's cheaper than some of the other options i've seen out there especially the apple options which are just way overpriced right um and it's it's nice and sturdy and i like it a lot nice yeah i'm still doing the barbarian thing i've got like a separate apple watch stand and a separate uh i actually one one in pixel of the week recently was the uh the one i got for the magsafe for the phone and that sort of thing so um yeah this is pretty cool it, i mean it's it's actually something like maybe i'll get my wife for her birthday when it comes around because uh she she's her her nightstand is a mess and so nice <laughs> we need to clean this up for her that's good well the other thing is is like with a lot of these um the flat puck style chargers if mm-hmm. you put your phone on it and it slides off just a little bit, it stops charging, you know, which is, yeah. happens all the time. Uh, whereas this, you know, gets the phone up and out of the way. So that's nice. Nice. Nice pick. I like that. So uh, we have a listener pick of the week this week, which is a nice thing. And, and if listeners want to send in an idea for a pick of the week, uh, I'd, we'd love to hear it. You can send it to technology at sqpn.com. And it, by coincidence, it goes along with my pick of the week. So uh, listener John Scrivo sent in, he he said, uh, I've been a fan of ultra thin wallets for a long time. And my newest one ticks off this box as well as having RFID blocking technology and a spot to put a micro pen. And uh, so his uh, he's got this wallet that he got on all dash ett dot com. It's a nylon wallet and it looks just like a regular wallet, but it blocks uh, RFID uh, radio finder identification. Uh, so it basically blocks radio signals going through. Mm-hmm. RFID is radio finder, right? Radio, radio frequency. Radio, radio frequency. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. My brain is not working at hundred percent today, folks. I think I've got long COVID going. <laughs> Mush brain. Uh, so, uh, so the wallet is the first step, but then he says, um, I also want to put an air tag in my wallet and I found a 3d printed design I liked on Etsy. I know I wish I had a 3D printer with all the 3D printer discussions on the podcast. The holder is the same thickness as the AirTag and does take up a little more space in the wallet than I would have liked. I include a picture and links to the items in case anyone's interested. And of course, I'll put the link in the show notes. I'm also curious if anyone else has tried using AirTags in their wallet and found a different solution that they liked. Hopefully the next gen AirTags will be a little thinner. Well, John, let me tell you, that's my pick of the week. I have found something that I liked. 
So for the longest time, and so, and by the way, uh, the, the 3D printed uh, AirTag wallet card is, it's basically, it's a plas- plastic, flexible, it's got a hole in the middle. It looks like a toad in the hole with the bread and the uh, the egg for <laughs> yeah. breakfast, right? <laughs> yeah. And the AirTag slips right in the middle of that. So uh, I have found uh, Elevation Lab. I mentioned them last week. They they made my pick of the week last week, and they've also made this. They just came out with this. Tag Vault Wallet. And basically, it is a, a flexible, uh, rubberish um, little pocket, same thing, the hole in the middle of a, of a rectangle that the AirTag slips in. And wh- what it does, the AirTag is, is thick. I mean, that's just a problem with the AirTag. It's, it's just going to be thick. But because it has this contoured shape, it lets it slide in, into the wallet easier and stays in place. Um, they make it in two sizes, a standard size for a large wallet. They also have a compact size. I use a, I have a compact wallet. Um, and so it fits right in there really good. I used to use a uh, um, Tile Slim, which is basically the size of a credit card. Uh, this is the AirTag is thicker. And it's just a fact of a fact of life with it. And I'm hoping Apple does make them thinner in the future. But uh, this is smaller than the 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 Tag Vault Wallet Compact is smaller than a credit card. But the uh, the larger one is about the size of a credit card, and it's um. $15 for the standard size, $10 for the small size you can get in packs of two. So. Nice. Yeah. I did have a one thing to note. Um, some mm-hmm. A lot of uh, RFID blocking wallets are, they're essentially just a metal lined wallet. And so in some cases that can affect whether an AirTag or a tile is going to work because it's not, it's not acting like a band pass filter where it's just blocking those RFID frequencies. It's yeah. just blocking all RF information out. So that's just something to be aware of if you're trying to use an AirTag or a tile with an RFID blocking wallet. Right. Ideally, you, it would have a pouch on the outside for the AirTag right. and then have the RFID on the other side of it. But yeah, that's a good point. Um, if you're using an RFID blocking wallet, you may not. that AirTag may be a $30 paperweight uh, yep. <laughs> at, by that point. But I really like the AirTag over the tile because it does that location tracking thing like it, it'll guide me to the wallet because i've lost it in the couch again yeah so nice <laughs> <laughs> excellent very good and thank you john for that pick of the week we appreciate it so that should do it for us today uh we'd love to hear your feedback you can go to sqpn.com slash technology or the sqpn facebook page facebook.com slash starquest media or send an email to technology at sqpn.com You'll find links from our discussion and our picks of the week on our show notes there. Remember to like our episodes on uh, Facebook, retweet them on Twitter, where we're at SQPN, and leave us comments in those places. And so until next time, Thomas Sanajo, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of technology. It's been great. Jack Barazzini, thank you as well. Thanks, Tom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of technology on StarQuest. <laughs> <laughs>